Welcome to the Health Leaders Nurse Leader Podcast. I'm Jennifer Thu, Nursing Editor for Health Leaders. My guest today is Dr. Rhonda Collins, Chief Nursing Officer at Vocera, which specializes in clinical communication and workflow solutions to simplify and improve the lives of healthcare professionals and patients while enabling hospitals to enhance quality of care and operational efficiency. Dr. Collins is also a fellow of the American Academy of Nursing and began her nursing career more than 30 years ago in labor and delivery. Throughout her career, she has held leadership and executive positions both in the hospital setting and in the healthcare technology space. She has received numerous recognitions for her work in technology, including being deemed one of the most powerful women in healthcare IT by health data management. She is an expert on the evolving roles of nurses, the importance of communication, and how to use technology to improve care team collaboration. Dr. Rhonda Collins, thank you for being here. Thank you, Jennifer. I'm very happy to be with you. Now, Rhonda, as you know, um, the topic of COVID-19 is huge right now, and especially in healthcare and specifically in nursing. The crisis has affected nurses in many ways, but today we're going to focus on one in particular, and that's cognitive burden and cognitive load. So I know you have been talking to nurse leaders about cognitive burden and cognitive overload over the past few years. Can you explain these terms um, and what they mean Mm -hmm. in the healthcare and hospital setting? and their potential to impact the well-being of both care teams and patients. Sure, happy to do that. Um, you know, uh, cognitive burden is something that actually was a concept that started um, really in education. My educators, the science of it, were trying to understand why all of the students sitting in the same classroom were not learning the same thing <laughs> or had different levels of learning. And so uh, it, it really is one of those interesting uh, sciences that talks about all of us have eight core cognitive capacities, our ability to sustain attention, our response inhibition, uh, the how quickly we can process information, uh, our cognitive flexibility and control, uh, how well we multitask and our working memory, our category formation, and how we see patterns in information that can call us back to something previous that can call us back to a, a remembered or a known fact or, or discrete data point. Um, every day, because of cognitive overload, um, a nurse will make a mistake. Um, it's, it's happening now. It, it happens all across the country and all across the world. Uh, there's many of us who would like do-overs in our own professional careers for some of the mistakes that we've made. Um, but learning and understanding how cognitive burden can affect that can help us mitigate that and help us to move forward. Um, you know, there's three different kinds of cognitive burden. There's intrinsic, extrinsic, and germane. Intrinsic is a burden that we all carry. If you have a child with special needs or you have an elderly parent you care for, or if you have financial concerns, it's sort of like the backpack that you can't take off. That's a burden that goes with you wherever you go. It, it takes up, it takes up sp space in your, your thought process, your cognitive um, capacity and how you move through your life. The 
the extrinsic is what the environment gives to you. You know, the days you show up at the office or you show up at work and here you are, um, you know, it's just coming at you nonstop. You're not, your ability to organize that um, becomes depleted because there's so much information coming your way. And then of course, germane is how you manage the information around you. So if, if you look at someone who already is carrying a cognitive burden because of personal issues and they show up and they're, they're given, you know, four patients instead of the normal two or three that they have, and all of them have complex issues. And then, you know, each patient has more than one physician attending. You could, for four patients, you could have up to 10 physicians with specialists and subspecialists. And now you've got to remember how you need to talk to all these physicians. You need to talk to them about diagnoses and tests that have returned. And then you pile on top of that, you know, more patients are a chaotic environment in, in the work environment. So you can see how cognitive burden plays a huge role in when mistakes are made in healthcare. Um, I think with the pandemic, it has really been exacerbated um, in that nurses, um, you know, they're, they're being pulled out of, say they're an OR nurse, and for 20 years they've worked in the OR, <clears throat> excuse me, and then suddenly there's no more OR cases because elective cases have been closed and now they're being redeployed to ICUs. Um, they don't know the numbers to call. They don't know who the physicians are. They, they're having to go back to their earlier training and you can see how that increases a cognitive burden. So um, I think that that is uh, one, of the, one of the core issues that, that we're going to talk about next is really how does this work? And you're right, Rhonda, that was my next question. Um, how has the COVID-19 pandemic increased cognitive overload among nurses and other care team members? Yeah, um, you know, just the simple issue with PPE. I described, you know, the OR nurse now working in ICU, and now all of a sudden the full suit of PPE to go in, adding to the cognitive burden of worrying about what am I taking home to my family? adding to the cognitive burden of, I don't know who to call at this moment in time because this is not my usual place to work, adding to the patients just keep coming. There's no room. I've, I've talked to hospital systems who uh, were putting patient beds in boardrooms. They were turning um, single rooms into double rooms. Uh, all of those things that they had to do and then create a way for the patients and families to talk to each other because the, the patients were there without any visitors. They were not allowed to have visitors. And so you just think of all of, um, you know, as, as someone who's worked in hospital administration, to think about all of the steps that had to be operationalized to really manage uh, this this swarm of patients that happened, you know, and it was very geographical, as you know, we're beginning to see that on the East Coast, they've just been overwhelmed and somewhat on the West Coast. In the Midwest, it's been much more controllable, you know, and in Nebraska, they haven't really had any kind of surge, so to speak. Um, so it's really been across the country, different responses to it. But I, I'll tell you that um, the shortage of equipment, the requirement to keep these patients quarantined in makeshift rooms, not allowing family in, and fear of just getting and passing on the virus has created an overwhelming burden um, for the clinical staff. Well, and I'm sure um, you mentioned it was the 
intrinsic burden that you carry just worrying about yeah. your yeah. Um, life. And I know, you know, it's been really tough. I have a, a neighbor who is a, a PACU nurse and she really struggled with her kids e-learning. Um, so she had exactly. that on top of everything that's going on at work, everything that's going yes. on in society. Yes. And, and you think about, I mean, that's a perfect example of how families have had to restructure sometimes, you know, when um, inner city families live in very small spaces and they can't mm -hmm. socially distance and they have extended family members and then they have children who are having to learn from home. And I, you know, I just can imagine every morning at 5 a.m. having to uh, make my coffee and pack my lunch and know that I'm leaving, you know, my, my elderly mother to make sure that my teenage son finishes his homework or does his school. You know, all of those things that you have to worry about. And but then go into an environment where um, your role is changing minute by minute. I think some of the things that have added to cognitive burden is, you know, when we first started seeing these patients, it was all respiratory. We were looking for shortness of breath. We were looking for fever. We were looking for a sore throat. And then all of a sudden they were showing up with GI issues and they were showing up with blood clots. And then they were showing up with the random, not so much a fever, but a sore throat on one side and then the sore throat on the other side. And I was uh, talking to an ER physician here in Austin, and he said he had a patient show up with a toothache. And he said, um, he said the man was just brought to his knees with a toothache. And he, he was talking about that whole side of his head was hurting. And he said, I've just decided, I've made the decision to test everyone for COVID and that patient was positive for COVID and ended up in the hospital. And, and to imagine, you know, you have a patient with a cough and then four hours later, they're on a ventilator. So that's what, you know, our, our healthier staff have been leaving home in the morning thinking, I have no idea what's hitting me at work, but I'm leaving behind in my home unresolved issues that I will carry with me. It's going to take up mental space with me for my entire day. That's an excellent point. Now, how can we help these nurses? What role can communication technology play in reducing cognitive overload, especially during um, times like these, in times of emergency and times of crisis. Right. right. Well, you know, the impact of cognitive overload is really forgetfulness and errors of omission or commission, forgetting something or actually doing the wrong thing. The stress and sleep disturbance and the anxiety and agitation that all starts to overflow in, in the workspace, moodiness, um, irritability, and feeling overwhelmed. Um, and, and I think our, um, our instinct is to say that technology adds to cognitive burden. I mean, that, that's sort of the, the school of thought everyone has. Well, when you introduce new technology into the patient care environment, it's going to inherently increase their cognitive load. And I, I will tell you after a few years of studying it and uh, trying to understand why do nurses adopt or not adopt technology at the bedside, um, the goal of technology should always be to reduce the wear and tear on clinicians. And, and one of the core cognitive capacities is, you know, memory. How long can you store information in your memory when you're, you've got all of these burdens? You're worrying about your kid during their homework and you're worried about the next patient coming in and you're worried about another patient that you really don't understand their symptoms yet. And now you've got to remember something like turn a patient who has pressure 
sores, you know, you just, all of the things that can fall out of your memory when you're stressed. So technology can absolutely carry the burden of memory. And my favorite example of that is, say I have an appointment um, tomorrow, but I don't really know where I'm going, but I've been text, I've got a text message telling me the address. Well, I rely on my technology on my mobile phone to hold that information in that text message. And then tomorrow when I get in my car, I'll simply tap it. I'll plug my phone into CarPlay and I don't give another thought to how I'm going to get there. My, my, maps, it, my map app is going to take me there and it will get me there through talking me through it, making sure I'm on the right roads and making sure, telling me exactly how much time before I get there, all of that. And so that's what we really try to do at Vocera is to create uh, workflow apps that really carry that burden of memory, keep the essential information with the caregiver at the bedside and um, deliver information they can act on. You know, I don't, when, when I'm driving my car, I don't need everything coming from Twitter or Facebook or whatever. I don't need information coming to me in that moment. I need to drive my car. And so that's what we try to do is not send to the clinician non-essential information. We only send essential information while they're driving their car, while they're taking care of their patients. And so that is how technology can make it better. And when we talk about relieving cognitive burden, I can release the burden of memory because I can record a reminder to myself, turn this patient in 20 minutes and the technology will remind me. I can, I can look back and say, now, what was the patient's last vital signs? Because I've been overwhelmed with work and I don't want to have to go back to the desk. I don't want to have to go to a workstation. I just want to be where I am. I don't want to have to take off my PPE. I just want to work from where I am and find that out. And, you know, we can provide all of that information in a smartphone app or on a wearable um, we have a wearable that goes under the PPE, so nurses don't even have to um, take it off and clean it. They can just wear it under PPE and it's voice activated, et cetera. Well, that's a great example and leads me to um, my next question. Can you explain how hands-free communication can support the well-being of care team members during a crisis like COVID-19? Yeah, we've all seen the pictures of um, healthcare workers in their PPE and um, working out in, in parking lots and needing to uh, communicate with those inside the hospital. I think that really for hands-free, it, it's a tool that enables the clinician to just move seamlessly um, through their workday. They don't have to pull a phone out of their pocket. They don't have to worry about holding it up to their face. They don't have to worry about contamination and they don't have to take the extra 60 or 90 seconds between patients uh, to clean the phone as they need to do when they, they change out PPE. Um, they can just wear the Vocera badge or the hands-free underneath their PPE, change out the PPE and keep moving. Um, and, and the other thing that we do with the software that I just have to mention is that when I talk about reducing the burden of memory or providing essential information, um, all of that can stay right there in, in the software and be held. And I don't need to know, say I'm the OR nurse who's now working in ICU and I need a cardiologist, but I don't know where the call list is, the on-call sheet. I don't know the system they use for on-call. So I can just 
ask the software, call the cardiologist on call, and our software can call by role or by name, and we can automatically call whoever that is, you know, Dr. Smith, cardiologist on call. So those are some of the other ways to reduce cognitive burden. You don't have to store information that you might need in the future. You can simply ask the software, call the respiratory therapist on call, and they will call whoever is on call. Um, you can text and you can have voice conversations all from a wearable device. Um, so, I mean, we really have worked to ease um, the work experience. And, and I, I'll say that communication is the backbone of patient care. You cannot do anything. You can't bring these COVID patients in. You can't separate going in the COVID door and the non-COVID door, and you can't to the COVID side of the hospital, the non-COVID side. It all requires communication. And um, when you allow clinicians to then be able to function in the most seamless way possible, you've relieved a significant amount of the burden. Plus, um, at donning and doffing PPE is when most contamination for the healthcare workers occurs. So if you can reduce um, the number of times they have to do that by simply allowing them to communicate from where they are, uh, you have certainly um, smoothed their, their workflow experience as well. Oh, thank you for that excellent example. Now, do you think the COVID-19 pandemic will help hospital leaders understand the issue of cognitive overload and to find ways to solve it? I, I do think that they are starting to look at that. And, um, you know, when I engage with healthcare leaders uh, across the country, I, I refer to it as a three-legged stool. I mean, first of all, the financial um, well-being and uh, uh, financial viability of healthcare systems in the future because they've lost billions of dollars through this experience because, as you know, over 60% of all revenue comes into the hospital through the operating rooms and they haven't been able to have their elective surgeries. Um, but the second issue is looking at operational future. You know, some of these larger healthcare systems are creating a COVID hospital. Um, where all COVID positive patients are cared for in one location. Our hospitals are having to split uh, their floors where, you know, in this area, no visitors, only workers go, and then other patients are over here. And they're having to figure out how can we assure the public that it's safe to come back. Um, and so that's a huge challenge they have. And then the, the third leg of that stool that's the most significant for them is how do we care for an exhausted staff a staff who has been stressed beyond what they ever thought they would be stressed beyond or has seen what they never thought they would see. And how do we keep them motivated and how do we keep them engaged and how do we give them time to rest and how do we provide resources to um, really support them through the PTSD, essentially. Um, some hospitals have called in folks who are uh, specialists in military. PTSD signs and symptoms and giving ideas on how to manage the healthcare workers. I've been on conversations with that. So I know that hospital administration is looking at what can we do moving forward to make the work environment um, easier to work in, easier to deal with. Um, and, and it really is the little things. I mean, you think about if you're just trying to work in an office and all you need to do is just get a small bit of information, but you don't know that number to call, 
how that can frustrate you for the day, or it can cause numerous workflow tasks to fall off. When you think about a clinician who is trying to figure out where do I go from here? Who do I call? How do I get that lab result? How do I bring this in? And how do I look at it all in one place? Um, that is, that's really communication. And that's what we do. That's what I focused on for really 20 years. <laughs> and I always say, if anybody knows me at all, they know that I am passionate about the experience with technology at the bedside. I believe that technology should be created from the bedside out and not from, you know, pushing it into the bedside when it doesn't work. Um, and nurses have to feel like it fits within the context of their work and the context of them taking care of their patients. If it adds steps um, that are not useful, they will abandon it. If it adds steps that are useful, they will use it. Uh, these are all things that we've all had to learn over a few decades of introducing technology. So um, I do think that hospital leaders are looking at what can we do and what can we implement, implement to make this easier, to make it where it's not hard to come to work, it's easy to come to work, and then looking at other ways that they can provide support for time off and uh, emotional support and mental rest. Well, Rhonda, thank you for sharing your um, years of experience and um, your wonderful thoughts. It's been great talking with you. Um, thank you for being here and sharing your expertise with us. Thank you for your time, Jennifer. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. And thank you to our listeners for joining us on the Health Leaders Nurse Leader Podcast. And until next time, please take good care.